You guys ready to listen? Yeah, sure. All right, good. Uh, let's pray. Let's pray before we dig into the Word tonight, all right? Let's pray. Father, Lord, I thank you for your Word, um, for the truth of it. And Lord, I just pray that these teens would give it respect. Uh, even if they don't give me respect, give your Word respect. And to stop talking and to just pay attention to what your Word has to say to them. Um, because it is your Word and it is your uh, guide and commands for us, for our good, not just to take fun away from us, but it's for our good because you love us. Lord, I ask right now that, that your spirit would help me to explain your word and to uh, show why it is important for our life tonight, even from the book of Malachi in the Old Testament. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. <clears throat> How many of you have ever uh, done something that your parents told you not to do? Everybody, right? Um, yeah. What happened when you... And they told you like over and over and over again, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And then you did it. What happened? <laughs> Nothing because they don't know. All right. All right. What would happen to you? None of you have ever done this? But not, okay, all right. Well, what do you think would happen? You wouldn't be sitting here? All right. Thaddeus, what would, what would happen to you? I don't know. All right. You'd still be alive, though. You never think about that. Okay. <laughs> all right. Tonight we're going to see what God says to these priests. Remember, we've been talking to the, about these priests in the book of Malachi who have not been serving God with a loving heart. They've been serving, they've been doing what God commanded them to do, but they really were tired of it and they, they, they didn't think God loved them. All right? Uh, the, the, first, the first time we talked in the book of Malachi, we learned that Israel was suffering. And they were doubting that God really loved them. And so they got lazy with their worship. They got lazy with their worship. And then last week we found out why God, God explained why he was rejecting their worship. And we learned that, that God desires love from us. God desires, uh, he doesn't just desire us to pray a prayer when we're a little child. Right? And then go on cruise control when it comes to living our life for Him. God wants sincere, heartfelt, passionate worship from His people, no matter what their situation or no matter what their problems are. Because Israel was in some serious problems, right? Their, their country had been sacked. You know, their city, Jerusalem, was in ruins. Their temple wasn't very pretty, all right? And they just thought, look at us, you know. God doesn't love us. But we learn that He wants sincere worship, no matter what our situation, no matter what our problems are. Why? Because who He is has not changed. He is still great. He's still a Father. He's still our Master. And He's still a King. And He still loves you. So those are the things that we have learned so far. Tonight, 
We're going to see what God focuses on when we don't change, when we refuse to change, when we continue to say, God, I really don't care what you think. I'm going to do whatever I want because it's fun and it feels good. All right? So we're in Malachi chapter 2. We're going to read the first two verses right now. This is God talking. He's talking to the priests. He's already told them why he's rejecting their worship, and now we're going into what's going to happen. What's the discipline? And now, O priests, this command is for you. If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings Indeed, I have already cursed them because you do not lay it to heart. All right. The first thing, we're going to camp out here for, for a little while tonight. We're going to spend a lot of time in these first two verses. The first thing that we see that God says, He says He has a command for them. All right. And then He says, If you will not listen, if you refuse to listen, and the reason he says listen first is because listening usually comes first in communication, in restoring uh, a relationship. If someone refuses to listen, it's, it's hard to get any further with them, right? Uh, you're trying to talk and have a conversation. You're trying to work something out. But they won't even talk to you. You, they, you see them come in. And they see you come in and then you detour, right? You see him come in, you turn your back on him, and you walk away and you go pretend like, hey, Mitchell, how you doing? I don't really care about you. I just really don't want to talk to Ethan, okay? So I'm just going to sit here and pretend like I like you. And that's what we do, right? But listening is the first step. And this is what God says. You must listen. You guys got to flow with me, okay? Because I'm not, I'm not really going to stop. So y'all just keep going with me. All right, so listening is first, and it opens the door to reconciliation for us to be able to, to restore this relationship. All right? Um, this is why so many relationships break down. Because a lot of people, I don't want to talk to you. You made me mad. My mind is made up. And so... We're just not going to talk. Why'd you go back? Keep going. There you go. And so relationships break down and no one talks to each other. Think about some of your friends or people who used to be your friends. Why aren't you friends anymore? Well, they did something, right? And so I refuse to talk to them. And so that relationship is totally broken down. But God is saying... I'm talking to you. If you'll listen, that'll be the first step. That'll be the first step. All right? Then he says, listen and take it to heart. And this is such a huge step because you can have a conversation with someone and they can hear you, but they might not do anything about what you said to them. So merely hearing and merely listening doesn't help. Um, 
It's hard to stay friends with these kind of people. People who, you know, they hurt you. You talk to them, you initiate, you say, hey, you know, what happened here? I want to figure out what happened and try to make this work and reconcile. But they refuse to do anything about it. So taking it to heart, what does this mean? It means acting on the knowledge that you already have. This is like wisdom. This is, this is applying the truth to your heart. It's, it's learning something and actually acting on it. All right. So this is applying knowledge to your life. But what is your heart? Who, thinks, who, who can give me a definition of what the heart is? Your thoughts. And it's up on the screen. Very good. Okay. Or it was. Yes. The heart, the heart is not just like, you know, people like to say, oh, just follow your heart. And everything will turn out right. What if your heart is a black hole? Yeah, very good. What if you have no heart? What if you're not a very compassionate person? What if you're a selfish person? All right. Let me let me give you guys some advice. Following your heart is not always the best thing to do. All right? Because the Bible says that the human heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? That's what the Bible says. So your heart might be telling you to do something, but it could be lying to you. And you don't even know. It feels good. I think I want to do this. But in reality, it might not be the best thing for you. So how do you know? How do you know what would be the best thing for you? Your heart isn't just your emotions. Your heart you know, isn't just feelings. The, when the Bible uses the word heart like this, it means it's like, like Erica said, because she can read, your command center. All right? It's your command center. This is, where, this is where you gather up all the knowledge throughout the years of your life and, and your reasoning and your ability to make decisions. All right? and, and when you gather all those things up, it allows you to make reasoned decisions, not just decisions where you have an impulse to do something and so you do it because my heart told me to do it. All right? That doesn't always work. The book of Proverbs, in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, says, Guard your heart above all things, for it is the wellspring of life. Another version says, Out of it flow the issues of life. So if you're guarding your heart, you can make better decisions. Because remember we said the heart is where all this knowledge comes in and your, and your reasoning so if, if you're not guarding your heart, what's going to happen? Corrupted, faulty reasoning, right? Because you just let anything in and it might not be wise. It might not be in your best interest. It might just be your body screaming to you, oh, you're good looking, I really want to touch you. Yeah. Ah. But your heart, is, your heart doesn't always have 
your best interest. At heart. Hmm. <sighs> so, God says, listen and take it to heart. If you don't, if you don't even, if you don't listen, if you don't take it to heart, and this taking it to heart is like, you learn what you did wrong, and you change, and you agree with God. You say, hey, yeah, I did that wrong, and I'm going to change something about it. I'm going to do something about that. And God says, if you priests will not do anything about what I've told you, if you refuse to repent and take to heart what I say, if you don't care what I think, and you say, I'm just going to do whatever I want, God is going to bring loving discipline into your life. How many of you think discipline is loving? Nathan, sometimes it doesn't always feel loving, right? And we're going to see that some of the things that God is going to say to them, we, we're going to say, really? That's what you're going to do to them? Hmm. But if we refuse, remember, this is refusing to repent. This is continuing in sin all the time, not listening, not doing anything to try to change, and ignoring God. God is going to bring some discipline in sometimes that is going to make you uncomfortable. Some things in your life are going to fall apart. Relationships are going to break down. School is going to go bad. And it's just going to seem like everything is falling down and you're like, what? What's going on? Oh yeah, it's that thing that I keep doing that I refuse to repent of. Hmm. Sometimes that's how God's works. And so, uh, it's easy to read this and, and say, wow, God is, God is mean and God is scary. Let's, let's see what it says. God says, I've already cursed you because you do not lay it to heart. Um, sometimes, like we can read this and we, can, and, and we say, oh man, God's going to curse them? What does that mean? Um, but we read it and we say, man, that's, that's scary. I don't want to be cursed by God. So I'm going to do what he says. And we end up only obeying God because we're afraid of him. How many of you are afraid of God? Like you don't fear him, you're afraid of him. It's getting hot. Some people only obey God out of fear. And I talked to a teenager this week who said, uh, the only reason they do what's in the Bible is because they're afraid that God is going to do something bad to them. Now, does that, does that honor God? Is that the kind of obedience God wants from us? What kind of obedience does he want? Love. Do you say that is? Willing. Willing, right. God is, God is not honored and God is not loved when we begrudgingly obey Him, right? Begrudging submission, like, ugh, God. Ugh. Okay. Fine. You know, we do this fine and we turn our back and we... Ugh. You guys ever do that with your parents? Hmm. 
But we already learned in chapter 1 that God, God says, I don't want your worship, I don't want your offerings, I don't want your mere obedience if you don't love me. If you're not doing it willingly because you love me, then I don't want it. We also see in these verses, God says, he will, if we refuse to repent, God will curse the blessings. And the point that we need to see in this, and that each one of you needs to see, is that when you sin, sin always. All right? And the word is always. You know what always means? What does always mean? Always. Sin always causes either delayed blessings or removal of blessings. So, and I know some of you have areas of your life where God is not allowed to touch that. That's my boyfriend. I, no, God, you can't have that. That's that TV show that I watch. No, God, you can't have that. And it may feel good for this time, but what you're doing is you're just delaying what God can do in your life. You're delaying blessings of obedience that God wants to put into your life, but you continually refuse that. And so the blessings that you could have had, you either have to wait a lot longer for them, because God has to wait for that, for that area of your life to get cleaned up, or you just forfeit those blessings totally. God says when they refuse to repent, he's going to bring he's going to curse their blessings. Curse their blessings. Hmm. Verse 3. Why why is he going to curse their blessings? Because you do not lay it to heart. Again, God's getting to the heart. A lot of you know everything there is to know about Jesus and God and you've been in Sunday school your whole life and you know it. Right? You've listened. But to get it in this area of your heart, you know, and this isn't where the heart is, okay? This is where your, your physical heart is, but not like where your heart, right? You know it, but to get it in, into, into your heart and, and into your affections, the things that you care about. Do I care about God? Like, yeah, I come to church, but do I have any affection for God and what He's done? Do I appreciate Him? Do I love Him for who He is? Or is it just stuck in the head? Right? It's head knowledge, but it's not heart knowledge. Verse 3 says, Behold, here come the curses. Okay? And they're not pretty. Behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces. Thaddeus says, yes, please, me. The dung of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it. So shall you know that I have sent this command to you, that my covenant with Levi may stand, says the Lord of hosts. Wow. God's going to rebuke their offspring and wipe crap on their face. All right. Is this a God you want to obey? (laughs) 
Right. Um, he's telling these priests... Alright, here's what happens. When, when the priests would sacrifice an animal, the animal still had stuff in its intestines. Alright? Hey? Anyway. He's, they still had that stuff in their intestines. But to God, that, that made an offering unclean. All right? You couldn't come with an offering covered in its own feces. All right? Because that was not bringing your best. And there were rules about excrement and all these kind of things. And this is a great topic, isn't it? There were, there were rules about all these things because, I mean, it's just filthy, right? I mean, there's all kinds of stuff in that stuff that is not good. And so the people weren't supposed to touch it. The, I didn't say anything bad, right? The people weren't supposed to touch it, and it wasn't supposed to be offered to God on the altar. And so what happened was, they would take the intestines and, and take all that stuff out, because it was unclean, and they would take it outside of the camp. All right, They would take it outside of the camp, and they would burn it on the outside of the camp. Okay? Burning poo, alright? Um, and they would burn it because it was unclean. And so what is God saying to these priests? He's saying, I'm going to rebuke your offspring. Or he might, it might, he might be saying, I'm not going to let you have offspring. Alright? And he's saying, I'm going to wipe this dung on your face. And so if I wipe... Alright. If I... Oh, oh, Mitchell. This is, this is, oh. <laughs> oh. Uh, oh. Now picture this. Picture this is, yeah, this is, I mean, it, it's the right color, right? The animal had some digestive issues. Mmm. Man. <laughs> it's, ugh. And so we're eating it. Uh. And so Michelo has dung on his face. What happens what happens to the dung? No, but according, according to what they were supposed to do with the dung, it gets taken out. Alright? It gets taken out. It gets removed from the worship area. And so God is saying, Priests, you get removed. You don't get to offer any more sacrifices. Your children aren't going to exist. And so they don't get to offer any sacrifices. So what he's really saying is that you're being removed from your office as a priest. This is the curse that he's putting on them. That's right. See? Mitchell has to go out. He has to leave because he is unclean. And this is what happens. <laughs> so God says he's going to remove the priests. He's not going to let them offer sacrifices. He's not spreading dung on their face to embarrass them. He's spreading dung on their face to, to make them unclean. 
so that they will have to be removed by law. All right? Now, why does he do this? It says, so, so shall you know that I have sent this command to you, that my covenant with Levi may stand, says the Lord of hosts. Now, God says he has a covenant with Levi. Who is Levi? One of whose? Yeah. He's one of Jacob's sons. He's one of Jacob's 12 sons. Why did God make a covenant with Levi? Anybody know this? Excellent, Michael. Levi's descendants were the only tribe of Israel. Remember when Moses was up on the mountain and he came down? And what were the people doing? They were worshiping the golden calf. And Moses came down and said, Who is going to be on the side of the Lord in this? Out of all you Israelites, who is going to be on the side of the Lord? And all the Levites stepped up. And they said, We will do whatever the Lord wants us to do. And so God made a covenant with them. And God made the Levites the people who would lead the people in worship. The tribe of Levi were the people that would lead people in worship. They would, they would teach. They would do the music. They would offer uh, sacrifices. All the Levites were the people who would do this. Not anybody else from any other tribe. Do you see the privilege that there is in this? They got to lead all the other people in worship. And so the covenant with Levi was very serious. And you had to be a certain type of person in order to lead other people in worship. And so God is saying, you guys are not measuring up to the covenant of Levi, so you have to go. Now what is the covenant with Levi? Why was it good? It says, my covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear, and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. All right, so... Uh, the covenant is of life and peace. What's this word peace? This peace, word peace is shalom. Every email that I send you guys starts with shalom. And so peace, but this word peace, shalom, means more than just calmness. It means wholeness. It means a certain... Uh, like serenity of everything in your life. It's not just, oh, I don't have any stress. It's, there's, a, there's a certain wholeness because you are serving the Lord and you are dedicated to Him. And so it's life and peace, but it's also fear and awe. All right? So it's not just feeling good all the time about myself. It's, Knowing God for who He is and being able to serve Him and being in awe of who He is all the time. Alright. So this covenant with Levi says, True instruction was in His mouth and no wrong was found on His lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and He turned many from iniquity. Now, let's keep going. Verse 7. For the lips of a priest should all right, who's a priest? A Levi. Nowadays, who's a priest? All of us. Me, you, every single one of you who believes in Jesus Christ. You're a priest. I'm a priest. Okay? 
So what should a priest do? Guard knowledge, and the people should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. In verse 6, we see true instruction should be in his mouth. No wrong should be on our lips. We should walk in peace and uprightness. And we should turn people away from their sin. Alright? If we see one of our friends who's supposed to be a Christian, and they're not, kind of, yeah, Nathan wants to smack Chris in the back of the head. Yeah, that's not very Christian-like. Guys deal with guys in different ways, though. We're going to deal with you like a dude. Alright? We're going to deal with men in manly, manly ways. So our jobs as priests are to guard, guard knowledge. We should know the Word. We should know what God's Word says. How do we get to know what God's Word says? By reading it. A good one. All right. How often do you read your Bible? What did you say that is? What? They just dig a hole for themselves? What about you? <laughs> You'll see, as we look at these, we can see, these are, these are what Lev, the Levites did. The true Levites, the people who were, who were following God. These people did not need to have their blessings cursed. Okay? So if you, how many of you want to keep your blessings? Woo! Yeah. That's, I think that's everybody. Alright? So, guard knowledge. Guard knowledge. Learn what the Bible has to say. And you're, you're doing good to come here tonight. Alright? That's why we do this on a Friday night and not just play games 24-7. Okay? Because this is important for you. Guard knowledge. Know the word. Instruction. True instruction. This means being able to teach others. And we see in other places, uh, it says, He turned many away from iniquity, and the people should seek instruction from His mouth. Now, has anyone ever asked you about God? Or, here's a, here's a different question. What could you teach your friends about God? If your friend came up to you and said, I'm really confused about Christianity. You know, can you tell me what it's all about? What would you say? JJ says, go to church. You don't have to be a Christian to go to church? <laughs> yeah. Technically, you don't have to be. I mean, yeah. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian, but... You should go to church if you're a Christian. Read the Bible. JJ said, go to church and read the Bible. It's getting sticky. Um, all right. So tonight, I want to be able to equip you guys to, that if your friends ever had to ask you about what Christianity is all about, I want to give you five big ideas. Five big ideas about what Christianity is about. Okay? Number one. Everybody has sinned. Everybody has sinned. You, me, your mom, your baby sister. Everybody has sinned, okay? 
And we all, let's, let's see the next one. Jesus was God. Jesus was God. If you don't believe Jesus was God, you're in big trouble. Yes, Jen? Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Was, is, and always will be. Very good. Okay, see? This, this is cool. This is cool. Was, is, and always will be. All right? Because everyone has sinned, Jesus died to pay the death penalty that God required. The wages of sin is death. Right? And so Jesus stepped in and paid your debt. And because he was God, he was qualified to do so. Because he was God, he was sinless, he was perfect. His death could have infinite value. Like I couldn't die for your sins because I've still got sins of my own that I need to die for. But Jesus was able to step in and die for you and your sins. Alright, now you've got to believe it's the big deal. Believe he died and was buried and was resurrected. Big ideas. Believe that Jesus died, was buried, and was resurrected on your behalf. Okay? And then the next one uh, is live in resurrection power. This is, this is how we live our life now. Okay? We live in the power of Jesus' resurrection. Jesus isn't dead anymore. He's alive by the power of the Spirit and we have the Holy Spirit within us so we can live a life uh, of godliness and holiness and service and love for others. Okay? So you as a priest now can answer any of your friends' questions. Not any question they have, but just to give them a big idea of what Christianity is based on. It's based on Jesus being God and paying the penalty for our sin. And he rose from the dead. That's a pretty big deal. Because we don't serve a dead Savior. Alright. Let's keep going. These priests were bad at their job. They were supposed to lead the people in worship. They offered crappy sacrifices. They were supposed to teach the people well. And they didn't do that. Verse 8 says, But you have turned aside from the way. You have caused many to stumble by your instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. And so I make you despised and abased before all the people. Inasmuch as you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instruction. These people, we see in, in chapter 1, in chapter 1, verse 7, he says, By offering polluted food on my altar, uh, but you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. And so we see that they were despising the Lord's table. And in verse 9, we see God turning it on him. He says, And so I make you despised and abased before all the people, inasmuch as you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instruction. So we see that those who despise God end up despised. God will not let his name and his honor be despised by people. And so if you want to play that game, if you want to play that game of despising God and not giving Him honor and not giving Him respect, what's going to happen to you? 
God's going to work it in your life so that you end up despised. And it may, you know, because there, there are some people who live, who live lives that seem totally godless and they've got all the money and all the girls and all of whatever is going on, right? In the end, they are going to get it. They are going to hell and God will not be dishonored. At some point, they get what's coming to them. All right. Keep going. God wants us to obey everything He commands. Look, the Levites, it says, says, you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instruction. Like they were only picking out little things that they liked, things that made them feel good, or things that made them look good in front of other people, and choosing to obey that. But God says, no, you don't get to pick and choose what you want to obey. Right? Some of us don't like that lust command. I don't... I. I don't really want to take that one seriously. I don't really want to take that children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. I don't like that one. So I'm going to ignore that one. No, God says obey it all. And teach it. Teach everything to people. Don't be ashamed. Alright, last one. In all of this all of this is God being loving, believe it or not. This is God using discipline to get His people's attention, to pull them back to Himself. He could have left them and said, I'm not talking to you. But He didn't do that. He said, if you refuse to listen, you refuse to take it to heart, I have to do some crazy things to get your attention. It's not because I don't love you. It's because I love you that I have to get your attention this way. And allow these things to happen to you. Keep His ways. They are life and peace. They allow you to keep your blessing. And He wants you to obey because He loves you. Not because you're scared of Him. Alright? If you obey, you've got nothing to be scared of, right? And even if you disobey, what can you do? Repent. Ask for forgiveness, Right? Remember, this is only happening because the people refuse to listen to God. Remember, God has sent His best for you. He loves you. He sent His best in Jesus Christ. And you guys have that choice to take Him seriously. Or you can just brush Him off and ignore Him and lose your blessings. That's up to you. We love you guys. That's why we're here. Um, we don't want you to, to go in cruise control and to just slack off and to just goof off all the time. And you know, We want you guys to, to learn to love God with true, sincere affection because we know what He's done for us as your leaders. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for tonight. Lord, Lord I know sometimes your word says harsh things. Um, God, sometimes we need to be spoken to harshly. God, I pray for anyone here tonight who who is being stubborn, who is consistently ignoring you. God, I pray that you would have mercy on them, but that if you choose 
to bring hard things into their life, to draw them back to you. I, I pray that they would see your love in that. Lord, we thank you for the love that you showed through Jesus Christ and that he was willing to take our place even though we didn't want him. Lord, some of us still don't want him, but you're still seeking and you're still pursuing. Lord, we thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.